It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. This is another edition of Frontline Friday with my very special guest and honorary co-host, Bridget Gleason. Bridget, how are you? I am doing great. Good. Uh, where are you? Good afternoon. Is it we're, afternoon? We're in the West Coast office this week. Okay, good. So, yeah, a little sunnier, a little warmer than things are in New York City right now. So, I bet. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, good time. It's a good time. So, um, we're going to lead off with a listener question this time. And I uh, got a fairly long question for a guest, uh, or not a guest, but a listener, excuse me, who um, wanted to ask, he said, you know, ask how we as sales folks are to gain enough of our prospects' time to do all the activities required as part of the sales process. And he goes in and talks about his background. He's an outside salesperson, very experienced, uh, worked with uh, Xerox for 20 years and a uh, publishing company for 10-plus years. Very experienced guy. He's made thousands of sales calls. So the thing is that, you know, he'd love to see, he says he'd love to get a full understanding of prospects' pains and aspirations, but, you know, between all the steps of his process, it seems like he can't get enough of the prospect's time to to do it. So would we have any recommendations about how to how to gain commitments for larger amounts of time from his buyers? Okay. What would you say to that? Because now that I'm honorary co-host, I can throw it right back at you, which I feel really good about. I've got some ideas, but I'd love to. You didn't want to answer that one. Okay. Well, I think, well, I think it's, it's interesting issue because we talk about is, is, as I was thinking about this, saying, well, gosh, we don't have enough time to sort of go through all the stages. It's like, okay, are we overcomplicating things with our process, right? We become so process driven in so many areas in sales that it's almost like we're saying to the prospects, no, 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 you can't, you can't skip this step. We have to go through each of these steps, uh, you know, and you have to listen to everything I say. And, you know, that's perhaps not the way the prospect wants to buy. So we have to be very mindful of, of you know, are we really aligning our selling efforts with the way they want to buy? Yeah, I would. So I would totally agree with that. I think managers, myself included, put together and enforce these processes as a way to help sales reps. And it's almost it's almost like a guide instructional to help them to give them structure about how to think about moving somebody along this continuum. I find questions like this most typically come from reps who are have less experience, which is understandable, and so are not as adept at moving someone skillfully uh, through a process. And I guess I always encourage Andy reps to think. Think about it. Think about what's being asked. 
Think about what you're trying to accomplish. Think about their time. Like when we just get, when when a rep gets too paralyzed with the process, I think they just take a step back and think about what am I trying to accomplish here? And and what and what is my what is the prospect trying to accomplish here? The other thing I think about time well, but is to that, but okay. to that point though, before we move on, is I think that yeah. one of the issues you get is that reps oftentimes are afraid to deviate from the process. You know, afraid to go with their instincts to say, as you said, to take a step back and listen and be responsive to the prospect's desire, perhaps to, you know. Look, maybe we can short circuit this little, or shortcut this a little bit here, and and because fear of of you know not meeting the expectations of the, the bosses and other people about hey did we follow the process? Well, I would say early and like for new reps, I do want them to follow a process. It's sort of like in math, show your work. I want you to go through it and show your work. I want I I need to know that you understand it. So I guess I would say yeah, don't start deviating. Until you, and until you've been through it and understand it, and have a reason to deviate, so there, it's probably a nuance, and there's a line there. So I don't encourage crazy deviation, but I do encourage using your brain all through. Use your brain through the process. Yeah, I mean, if people are more experienced, it's it's they start having enough experience that they combine that with their instinct. Yeah, you know, they develop an intuition about what's the right thing to do, and won't necessarily be held back by the process. But I, yeah, you know, it's we are, we do have sort of this tricky situation because even with some experienced reps, and I see this is that you, I think you can make the argument that in general, we're there are many sectors, you know, business sectors where the sales and tech that you're in is one of them has gone much more process driven. And metrics driven, and you know, there's. I think as I said before, I think there's this reluctance, especially if if they follow their intuition and you know deviate, as you said, from the process. Process, and then it turns out badly. Is there's this fear that oh my gosh, you know, the way the world's gonna fall on my shoulders because I didn't follow the process and we lost the deal. And the first thing somebody's gonna say to me is, well, if you had followed the process, you would have won. When that wouldn't have been the case at all. Yeah, well, I think as as managers, we've got to be. We've got to look at that. We've got to look at. Did we? Is there too much process? Like I'm thinking about our. I don't think our. There's a difference between uh, requiring and needing to get a certain amount of information to qualify a deal in or out, or to make sure there's a successful POC. And then making sure that the right people are involved in certain calls. And there's a process that we have aligned to it. I try to keep it. I mean, I know for me, I want as few sort of steps and guideposts in that process as possible. So there's, there is some room. I do want reps that are thinking but I do think we need to step back and look at, God, is this getting so mechanized that there, there is no room to think within these narrow bands that we've, that we've identified? And I think we need to look at that. I think it's, it's a really, really valid point that we may have so much in there that it's constricting and it doesn't allow for the flexibility 
then not huge flexibility. I'm not talking Gumby here. I'm talking loose <laughs> flexibility to just try to move somebody down a path. Most people don't even know who Gumby is probably. That's like an old person reference, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand what it is myself. I'm not old enough. But yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, I think... Well, I, go ahead. Well, I think the, the other factor that plays into this is that the science is pretty clear about the fact that in, you know, a very large fraction of, of buyers, people have to set out to make a decision, want to make the good enough decision. They don't want to invest all the time that they have available to be able to make that decision if they can make it more quickly. Um, and, you know, starting with Herbert Simon, who won a Nobel Prize, uh, researching this, who, you know, came up with the construct of people as being satisficers or maximizers, and satisficers being people that gather just enough information to satisfy their requirements before making the decision, as opposed to those that evaluate every single opportunity to make sure they make the absolute best decision. Um, I'm definitely a satisficer. Right. And people, I think Completely the majority of people are late. satisficers. And then, you know, Daniel Kahneman, who another Nobel Prize winner, talks about uh, in his books about you know, the system one and system two thinking, or system one is our more intuitive thinking, decision making. System two is, is more, uh, you know, analytical. And as he points out, you know, science shows that you know, our system two thinking is, is really lazy and we don't. We don't want to invoke it unless we have to. So if we can make system one decisions, way better for us as a as a human. Um, yeah, Robert Cialdini wrote books about influence. You know, I just had the opportunity to interview with him for the show, and um, as he said, you know, people want complex decisions to be two things: one is to be good, and second is to be gone. Um, so you know, we have all this. You know, research has been done in behavioral economics and social psychology about. Yeah, people want to make decisions quickly for a variety of reasons, now, some of which are innate to us as humans and others just having to do with their allocation of time. And, you know, are we not, because we're so process-driven, as are we not aligning ourselves anymore with the way people want to make decisions? Well, it's, I, we're, we're evolving and changing. I think that's, a, that's valid as more and more are being, there's so much data. You can't possibly go through all the data. Like somebody that wants to go through everything and every opportunity, there's just too much data. Yeah. So I think it's be, it's it's it, it, all of this d- data is creating satisficers. So as salespeople, our skill set has to continually change. And how do we make sure that we give just the we give the amount of information that somebody needs at the particular moment in time when they're looking for it? So much of it's available online already. So the sales rep has to fill in, has to fill in those gaps. And that is, it's hard to do if you are so rigid along a process. I think part of it, Andy, also, when I heard the question, it also seemed like part of it was, I'm being asked to gather all of this information and it's hard to get that much time Mm-hmm. with a prospect who will give me that information. And I'm faced with this every day. I get requests and emails daily. Can I get 15 minutes of your time? Can I get 30 minutes of your time? All I need is a 10-minute phone call. These add up. 
well, first of all, I don't take many of them, so they don't add up to much, but just because I don't have the time. And the way people get time is they earn time. And where somebody may get a small increment of time initially, if there's value in that, then I'm more likely to give more time and give more information. So I think for salespeople, it's learning how to add enough value early on in small increments, be it over email or a phone message Mm -hmm. or Twitter or LinkedIn, that somebody says, okay, I'm willing to invest a little bit more. Okay, I'm willing to invest a little bit more. Okay, I'm willing to invest a little bit more. I think that's more likely how it unfolds. Somebody asking me, hey, can I have a two-hour session with you? Huh? Hey, will you fill out this questionnaire? Not in your life. Mm-hmm. Don't have time. Well, I think that's a great perspective. I mean, sounds vaguely familiar like this one book I read. But um, it's um, – you didn't get the reference. That, that was – my book. Um, so I know. <laughs> I know. I was just waiting for you to give the punchline. No, you're supposed to do that for me. But anyway, okay. <laughs> See, now I look like I was trying to attract attention <laughs> to myself. So <laughs> I'll remember that. So anyway, um, but I think it's true. It's it's the way people are gathering information is different. And I think that's great insight is, is if you're expecting that, yeah, you're going to be more time efficient in your own mind if you think, yeah, if I could just get an hour of the customer's time, then we wouldn't have these multiple small interactions. Uh, but the multiple small interactions, you know, look at the way we communicate these days. That's much more in line with the way people communicate and gather information. And so, yeah, if your perspective is that, yeah, I've got this process we go through, and yeah, I've got five stages, and each of those stages is basically a meeting, you know, sort of the culmination of that stage, that may not be valid anymore. Right. And I think we, we have to think about it. You know, for me as a, a manager also, managing salespeople and teams, I need the feedback. I need, I need thinking reps who are also going to give me the feedback and say, uh, these two really, these two stages don't make sense or God, it's too forced or that's not, a, there has to be this continual dialogue as well. The salespeople are frontline ones out there, and they need to continually help an organization refine, you said it at the very beginning of this uh, podcast, which is aligning to how buyers want to buy. And we're going to get that and iterate on that based on the input that we get from them. And so sales reps are the frontline out there to be able to provide that input. Well, I think this is this is you know as we veer a little bit into a, a related topic, which is how much flexibility should you as a manager be giving your your frontline sellers in terms of how they you know adhere or not adhere or deviate you know in alignment to the to the sales process? Because um, I, I think that's really a critical thing. Because I've over the last several months, is, you know, I've talked to more and more. Uh, reps about this this topic and getting you know input and comments and so on. It's just like sometimes I feel like their hands are tied by some managers um, that they felt like yeah I could do more if I was given just a little bit more freedom to do what I think is best. And I empathize with that because I you know early in my career when I was you know working in the field yeah that's 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 how I 
that's how I sold. I mean, I, I had a different approach to things. I, I, you know, you gave me that set process, at least the way they had it defined back then. And it didn't align with me personally at all. So for me to succeed, I had to come up with my own way that, that worked. But it seems like there's less freedom to do that these days. Well, we have more data these days about what works and doesn't. You know, back in the day, you and I were first selling, there wasn't as much data and immediate feedback that you, you, I think managers had to rely more on a sales rep's intuition because it was hard to measure it was harder to measure what's working, what's not. There wasn't as much online. It, we, we just didn't have as much data. I think we do have better data. I, I feel like reps, for me, reps almost earn the right to deviate. So they've had a track record of success or like there's there's some reason for me to believe that they've, and it's usually some amount of data, either past success or current success or something that has earned them the right to deviate. Because I think if everybody deviates, we've got no way to test it. So I think it's a careful balance, you know, deciding, okay, when and who deviates and, and, and sort of what that looks like. Hmm. I don't know a better way to do it. I don't know a better way to do it, but I think just to say, hey, everybody deviate a little bit, <laughs> feel free. You know, we got no baseline. And people take deviation, like I think you also have to be really Well, you still have to manage your people. Specific. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's one of the things that's not really, hasn't, the need hasn't really changed, so I think we see the implementation has changed, is that, is that you know, sometimes it seems like the, the process is used as a substitute for coaching and managing your salespeople. I think that's true. And and it can't be because, again, this is a people business. And, yeah, we have a lot more data. But there's, there's sort of this baseline assumption that, you know, the, that the process itself is optimized and that the people are the problem. And, you know, I don't think, I don't think that's the case in all cases, right? I mean, I think that, that it's like everything. We start with the assumption of what's the best way to do it. And we're continually looking and refining, but... It, doesn't mean we're even approaching optimal. So to me, sometimes, you know, the, the, the great thing about giving your people a little bit of leeway is that they are going to show you that better way. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, I, I, what would I say? I mean, I don't usually come up, I don't usually have a firm it's the people that are the problem or the process is the problem or the people I've got are, you know, that's what I'm going to listen to and the process is broken. I think that the reality is always some combination of the two. Like I don't ever look at my process and say, Hey, got that thing nailed. I'm always thinking, okay, it's, it, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I think it aligns pretty well for the majority of the people we're talking to. This aligns pretty well, but I'm, I'm, I guess maybe my mentality is I'm in a continual state of evaluation. Yeah. Well, which is really the point I was driving at <laughs> throughout, yeah. this, throughout this whole thing is that there are no absolutes. Right. I don't believe there are any absolutes. And, you know, it's, we're in a business where 
a lot of people make their living from proclaiming that they're absolutes and and that you know if you do things this way you're going to increase sales 300% or if you do this you know 92% increase I read something this morning guaranteed 92% it's like really 92 not 91.5 but but you know the thing is I don't think there are absolutes so I think your perspective and your approach to it is really the right thing is that yeah you define something that that works but then you continually evaluate and evaluate not just based on you know, metrics, but also based on what the people tell you, what the input you're getting. You know, as a manager, ask your people what's working, what what could be done better. Ask what their own experiences are in front of customers. Spend more time in the field with them. Um, if their field people are on the phone listening to their calls in real time and see what's going on. And then, as you said, be completely mindful at all times about what can we do to continually optimize this for the company and for the individuals. Well, and I think you're, you also made a really, really good point, which is the process cannot take the place of managing and coaching. And, and I think you're right that oftentimes it is, um, it's a proxy for it or it's a crutch or it's a, you know, we, we want to rely so much on data that we forget the very, very human element, which is so critical. And j- just how do you combine the data with the, with the human that we, we haven't found a, play, a way to replace? I don't think ever, we ever will. And those two are the things that need to come together in, in order for us to continue to iterate around how buyers really do want to, to buy and that we're paying attention to that so that we don't keep getting questions like this, that, God, the process is, is I, I just can't get everything I need given the constriction mm-hmm. of what I'm being asked to do. Yeah. Well, I think that it sort of leads to another topic, which we'll have to reserve for another another episode, another discussion, which is this whole issue about the science of selling. And there are some people that believe the science of selling, and I've you know, talked to people like this and, and read their articles and so on, where that believe the science of selling just has to do with the data. And then you know, there's others, including a gentleman who's just written a, published a book not that long ago called The Science of Selling, David Hoffeld, that, and he'll be on the show coming up, is, is uh, you know, the science is really the only real research-backed science is, we talked about before, sort of the behavioral economics, the social psychology about how people actually make decisions and what influences them. Mm. I mean, that, that's all been proven out now. Um, and so, yeah, having the blend between the two where you can optimize really, I think, becomes, I think that does then become the real science of selling is how do you blend those two together, the data and, and the behavioral to help optimize your process. Can't wait to read the book. Yeah, I don't know it, that one. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it. A good book, and we'll we'll have another book club on the air here shortly too, because there's uh, yeah, I read a bunch over the holiday break. So, okay, well, Bridget, that's it for today. So, and Andy, great, wonderful. Looking forward to next week. Yeah, thank you for having me on your show. And um, <laughs> anytime. Okay, thank you. And friends, thank you for taking time as always to spend this. Uh, 25 minutes with us and uh, appreciate you taking it and hopefully we imparted some value and until next week this is Andy Paul and Bridget Gleason talk to you then bye 
Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.